the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. We are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. While you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. So I've got a fantastic lineup of guests for you today, uh, and we're going to kick off the program with a, uh, a, a fellow who's uh, become a friend of mine, former Master Chief uh, Steve Drum, is a veteran of 26 years with the U.S. Navy and is a Navy SEAL. He's one of the co-founders of the Warrior Toughness Program, uh, making the mind, mind, body, soul connection. And I could go on and on about his accomplishments in the Navy. I will not go on and on about um, how the Army is better than Navy. Um, and uh, nobody can see uh, Steve's reaction on his face right now. But uh, Steve Drum, it's such a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a little while in the making, right? I'm glad we, we finally got to, to make it happen. Absolutely. So, Steve, um, you are all about leadership. Ultimately, you have uh, used your service um, in the Navy, uh, your time as a Navy SEAL, and you are demonstrating um, for the corporate business community leadership and performance strategies that ultimately lead to success. Let's talk a little bit about your story, Steve. How did you end up in the Navy, and what are some of the key lessons that you've learned along along that journey? Yeah, thanks. So I think fundamentally, even from, from a young age, I, I knew that I wanted to serve in the military in, in some capacity, and above that, I wanted to you know, really be part of, uh, you know, an elite unit with a selection and assessment process uh, to really kind of challenge myself. And, you know, I saw that through. I had some some uh, delays along the way, but I had some people that really in my life that helped me uh, realize my goals. And I went through a Navy SEAL training in, in 1995. And I joined the Navy uh, in, in the fall of 1992, ended up serving uh in Connecticut working on fast attack submarines at a shore facility and, and fell in with a really good mentor there who, who really made sure that I was, you know, me and some of the other guys were well-trained and well-prepared before we went on to SEAL training or BUDS as we call it. Uh, it's an incredible story. And I believe about 27 years of experience in the, in, as a Navy SEAL leading teams, executing mission critical performance strategies and all of those experiences have led to some lessons. So now you are consulting with business executives that want to learn a lesson um, from uh, from you, from uh, a retired Navy SEAL Master Chief. So what are some of those lessons that you are focused on on providing? And, and what similarities have you seen between the world of business and the world of military? Well, I think 
based on my experience and this has been validated within, you know, with the opportunities I've been given to work with businesses is that one of the things that business and all of us in our regular, in our professional and our personal lives can really take away from is if we look at how elite military units, special operations, and you know, the SEAL teams is, is what I'm most familiar with. Obviously we look at how we prepare to execute for a mission, right? If we look at how we how we plan, prepare, execute, and everything that goes into that, if we take that same holistic and very comprehensive and consistent approach, and we take some of the key lessons from that, and we apply that in all the other areas in our life, we're going to really find that we have the complete answer. In many cases, you know, sometimes we latch on to this one thing. Oh, I'm going to start meditating. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to improve my goal setting. Well, that's all well, but let's put it into a complete process. And so I've created a model based on the things that I've learned in the SEAL teams from from my own experiences, from other people, great mentors that I've had. And and these kind of shaped the the ingredients when I was asked to create a program to make our young sailors and tougher, our, our young sailors and officers tougher. And so the warrior toughness program that I was a part of and my contribution to that, I've been able to develop a model that I, that I help businesses really plan, prepare, and essentially enhance their execution. So Steve, I want to break it down into a couple of pieces because I want to uh, take advantage of our, uh, of our couple of minutes now uh, to get as much advice as possible, especially as those skills relate to business. So you, in your experience, certainly have faced uh, challenges and adversity, uh, challenges uh, perhaps a failure along the way. When you have faced a mission that uh, you struggled with at times, I know you you said you had some challenges even in your training periods. Um, what, it, what what's your response? And and I, again, I go back to business. What lessons in sort of failure uh, can can people sort of learn from? Well, I think there's a couple things there. You know, and my job is to make this succinct, right? But Initially, the challenges that we face a lot of times, you know, if you look at a Navy SEAL, the challenges, and it's all about like uh, just, you know, intense combat operations. And But a lot of times, fundamentally, when we face challenges, it's because we face doubt, right? Things are going well. We're excited to start off on this new journey, this new project, this starting with this new organization. But then all of a sudden, somewhere between that and getting to our goal or getting to where we want to be, we fall in with the realization that it's hard, that we're facing setbacks. And so it's here where we really need to go back and ask ourselves, what are we really committed to? Who are we committed to? And what are we willing to do to make sure that we execute with discipline, not just motivation, but discipline, the things that have to be done. And so I think that's the very first part. How are we, what are we connected to? What are we really committed to? And let that drive our behavior. In leadership, it's it's understanding and help validating a sense of purpose in those that, that work for us or with us. Because without that sense of purpose, all the rest of it is never going to be a, a, as good as it could be. We're never going to execute at the level if we don't have that strong sense of purpose. So we need to first, we need to find that for ourselves. And then, and we need, a, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. And yeah, so that's a perfect segue as you talk about, about leadership. Um, ultimately, most of our listeners are entrepreneurs and uh, we all believe as entrepreneurs that we are the, the, the perfect firefighter, that we know how to solve any problem. It gets more complicated when a business wants to scale up and you have to start hiring people and you start to have, have people that are on your team. You were involved in, in co-developing the Warrior Toughness Program, which 
help to change the culture of the Navy and how it trains and prepares young sailors and officers. What lessons as it relates to uh, team leadership has that taught you um, that you've been able to pay forward? Well, I'd say go back to the first part of what you did. You know, as we as we look at pivoting, right, if we're talking about in the context of COVID, we're talking about just uh, transitioning to a more, uh, you know, stable uh, normalcy. I think it's sometimes, and as we look at growing, just in general, right, let's look at what, you know, there's a concept that I call, you know, being brilliant on the basics. And it's essentially being able to identify and prioritize, select what you do at the most fundamental level. And so what are the basic things that I, that I say that I can do as an organization, as a, as a team, and how can I prove that out? And so when we get lost, we get confused, we wonder where to go, always tie it back to what basics do we need to focus on and understand that, yes, if we want to be really good at something, let's break it down to the most fundamental level and let's make sure that we are allocating resources, we're allocating time and attention to being really good at these fundamental things and not chase every fancy new idea or trend. Be really good at what you say that you do well. Uh, that's that's very helpful and surely resonates with many of our listeners. So Steve Drum, you are, um, you are a speaker and a consultant. Uh, tell us a little bit about the organizations that, uh, that you are consulting with and uh, what kinds of people uh, can benefit from your message? You know, everybody wants to say they're all things to all people. Essentially, what I, what I, where I think I bring the best value are those that find themselves executing in a finite point, you know, when the stakes are high. If it's going to be, in many times it's sales, right? When you're trying to close that deal, you're trying to really develop, you know, a difficult relationship. Or in general, if you're managing a team, and that can be very stressful, when you're feeling that kind of stress, when you need uh, to prepare and, and really enhance your execution when the stakes are high, that, that's really my best audience. That's really who I'm, I'm meant to serve. Well, I know you have a fantastic website, which uh, profiles some of the places where you've, uh, where you've had the opportunity to speak and share your message. And you have a remarkable story. Um, where can our listeners um, learn more about you and perhaps get in touch? Uh, yeah, go to my website. It's stephendrum.com. And then uh, I can be reached, uh, my email, steve at S-T-E-P-H-E-N, drum, D-R-U-M, dot com. And last question for you, Steve. Uh, travel is uh, is certainly a, a, a distant memory for many of us, but uh, in your 27-year career in the Navy, you've, I know, traveled in a number of places, good and bad. Uh, favorite place to visit? You know, I, I don't know favorite place. I, I love I love the West. Like Jackson Hole, Wyoming is one of my favorite places. I think one really cool spot, one trip I had was the Lofoten Islands, doing uh, some climbing up there in the Lofoten Islands uh, in the Arctic uh, by the Arctic Circle in Norway. That was that was a really cool experience. Good stuff. Good uh, good memories. I hope so. Uh, StephenDrum.com. Check him out online. A fantastic story. Twenty seven years uh, as a Navy SEAL, Master Chief. Steve Drum. Thanks so much for joining me on the air. Thank you so much, Sean. It was fun. Absolutely. And we are the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Chicago, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back and get down to business in just a moment. Back on the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business. I'm your host, Shalom Klein. And we love to profile entrepreneurs, people making a difference in the community and interesting businesses. And that's my next guest. I'm thrilled to be joined by Brett Siegel, who is the founder and CEO at Rooster. Um, Rooster is the first home buying management platform bringing together info, tools, and people you need to plan for 
and execute your home purchase like a pro, even if it is your first time. And uh, Brett, we have somewhat of an exclusive here on Get Down to Business, don't we? We do. We do. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. Good to be here. We are launching next week. Very exciting Uh, news. Very, very exciting. So I love to get to know the person behind the microphone because ultimately it's the people that are behind the business. Um, So Brett, tell me a little bit about, um, about you and how your experiences have led to the development of Rooster. And we'll get more into the details of what you guys do. Great. Thanks. Um, so actually, most of my experiences don't have that much to do with the development of Rooster. Interestingly, I have a background as a hedge fund analyst. Um, and when I went to purchase my first home, I, uh, I just it was a strange process for me. Uh, it was unlike any other transaction that I was used to doing in my life in that there was no centralized platform for managing it. There was tons of different people I needed to involve. The expenses were unclear. And everything about the process seemed broken from the information I could get um, to the people I needed to hire to even what I had to do and how to execute it. Um, and so from that point, uh, I started thinking about ways that we could, uh, we could improve the process for people and uh, scratched the itch at one point, left the hedge fund career and uh, started up Rooster. Uh, it's exciting. So let's talk about the entrepreneurship scene here in Chicago because Rooster is uh, is based at the uh, at the famous 1871, um, and you are surrounded not today, uh, but on uh, back when things were normal by some fantastic entrepreneurial uh, geniuses. So, uh, what has your experience? Because I don't believe you're from Chicago. What has your experience in the Chicago business scene uh, been so far? What are the advantages and maybe even some disadvantages? Yeah, so it's really interesting. So I, I grew up in Cleveland. I went to University of Michigan and then came out to Chicago to work. So my entire professional career has been based out of Chicago. Um, I just entered the tech scene, obviously, as I was starting to create Rooster. 1871 is an incredible place where it's at the epicenter of uh, innovation in the city. Um, and I was one of the first companies to go through a, a new accelerator program they have there called Pyros, um, where they have... Uh, stage specific programming for different entrepreneurs. And so you're put in a cohort, they give you courses, all part of the membership there. And of course it's a co-working space. So you're surrounded by, uh, by people that are of a similar bent and mindset and craziness as, as you are, as you're sort of starting something new from scratch. And so that's been, that's been great. Um, the Chicago ecosystem is like a number of between the coast sort of entrepreneur uh, ecosystems is, is growing and gaining more attention and there's some stars coming out of it. Um, but it is certainly different in, in a number of ways. Um, it's more conservative than on the coast. So on the coast, you can get funding for ideas that you have with uh, sometimes not even a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, in Chicago, it's a little bit more of a show me story. And so the it's more difficult to get funding uh, before you've proven out your business model. Um, there's people willing to take uh, risk at different points in that journey. Um, but certainly, uh, you have to prove it out a little bit more. Uh, interestingly, that makes for the best venture capital returns in the entire country, which you may have sort of uh, discussed before on your show. Um, but because the investors are more conservative, the deals coming out of Chicago are actually higher quality. Um, and as that's happening, there's more capital flowing into the city, which is great. Uh, so every business is uh, is launched because there's a need. So uh, 
Brad, tell me a little bit about the need that you saw in the home buying experience, the sort of challenge that existed, and uh, and and what is Rooster, and 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 what do you guys uh, set out to do? Yeah, so there's no centralized platform for someone to manage all of the tasks in the home buying journey that they have to do on their own. Um, so everything from learning about how to buy a home planning for it, budgeting for it, managing your tours and taking notes um, through getting mortgage quotes, finding your agent and connecting to all the service providers that you need in the process. Um, It's currently a totally disjointed process. And so what we were able to do is create a home buying management platform to unify all of those different things. Um, And so that's the benefit for the consumer. We're a marketplace model business, and so we bring consumers at the very earliest part of their journey before they're willing to or needing to interact with any of the vendors or service providers in the process. We're nurturing them by providing them a ton of really high-quality content and tools um, that they can get benefit for for free. And at the time they're willing and needing to transact with all the different vendors that they need, we're going to be bringing a one-stop shop for those vendors and service providers. Um, for those vendors and service providers, is really interesting because we have, um, we anticipate having a uh, a really unique high intention buyer um, who should convert at a much higher rate and be cheaper to acquire than sort of going through Google to acquire users. And so that's. Where- <laughs> and Brett, I've uh, I've a hunch that this is very personal for you. Um, the uh, the the challenge that you're uh, setting out to uh, to to fix um, was this a personal experience for you? It was a totally personal experience. It was a number of experiences in within the one experience of purchasing a home. I actually pivoted into this idea from an initial idea I had had, um, which was to create a Carfax for homes. Um, and so I started developing that and there was ultimately a distribution strategy uh, problem, which is that no one wants to provide that information to consumers. So no agent wants their uh, customers had no too much information because they want the sale to get done, not because they're nefarious, but because that's what they're incentivized to do. Um, and so in a seller's agent certainly doesn't want to provide that information. And so what I sort of realized was that there's an information mismatch. People are starving for information. They don't have access to it. Um, and that's a much broader problem than just understanding, you know, the individual problems with the home, but the entire process itself was lacking transparency um, and so the ability to come up with a solution for that that's mutually beneficial for the users and for the industry um, was really exciting for me. And there are a lot of sites that are out there in the world of real estate, including sites that rhyme with pillow. Um, you are not setting out to be one uh, a similar site to that. You you are you are a much more comprehensive uh, solution. Is that correct? That's right. And I think they, they are and will continue to be great partners for us also. So um, we have relationships with Zillow and with Realtor.com and with a number of these other uh, big industry players. We actually augment their functionality um, and create a, an experience that uh, aligns with exactly what they're trying to do for the most part as well. Uh, very, very interesting. So I have to ask, um, uh, again, I'm chatting with Brett Siegel, the founder uh, the chief rooster. Um, why the name rooster? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, a lot of these uh, home type names are actually taken already by different parts of the industry. Um, I like the uh, referring to a home as a roost. It's sort of a cozy feeling. So I went to uh, I went to go by rooster.com, R-O-O-S-T-E-R. And it was available, but it was 
for a six figure asking price. And so uh, I didn't have those resources starting out. So I changed it to use and uh, and started off that way. I thought it looked cool. But, it, does, uh, it does look pretty cool indeed, especially realizing that this is a personal story for you and for your family. And uh, you know uh, firsthand, this is not just a tech experiment for you. This is, uh, you know, the challenges that exist. So, um, Brett, we, we only have about a, a minute uh, remaining. Uh, and I am curious, um, you are starting a company. Uh, it's actually formally launching this week um, in this era of COVID. Uh, what has that experience been like? It's been really, really interesting. Um, we set up the business to be remote enabled from the very beginning. Um, and so the way a lot of businesses like me start off is not by hiring a bunch of employees, but by hiring contractors around the world. So I have a team of developers in Ukraine. I had a content writer in Washington, DC. I had a designer in Canada, right? And so the whole business was set up as a remote enabled organization. So the operations didn't change. What did change was the environment. Um, and so capital raising in the middle became very interesting. Thinking about a launch strategy became very interesting. And then well, thinking- congratulations, you've done it. You've done it. Rooster is, uh, is launching. So uh, I know the uh, this there is a, uh, a bit of a site that's up, but there's going to be more that's, that's available soon. Where can our listeners learn more and get in touch? Yeah, Rooster, R-U-U-S-T-E-R.com. You can request access and it'll be live this week. Uh, that's very exciting. Brett Siegel, uh, the chief rooster, R-U-U-S-T-E-R, uh, right here in Chicago. Uh, Brett, come back soon. Keep us posted on the story. And uh, hopefully as you help many, many uh, uh, home buyers uh, with their experience, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Sean. And you're listening to the show, All About Small Business Jobs and Entrepreneurship. Check out my website, shawlapplein.com. I'll be back in just a moment with more tips, advice, and information for all these small business owners. We'll be right back. Back on the show, all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. Thrilled to be joined by the chief executive officer of Influitive, a fantastic, interesting company run by a fantastic, interesting uh, professional. Thrilled to be joined by Dan McCall. Thanks for joining me on the air. Thanks for having me, Salam. Happy to be here. It's great. So your team is pretty amazing um, because you guys have been uh, innovating and pivoting um, by uh, building high-level digital events in weeks through a new platform, Virtual Event Hub. Um, we're going to talk about Virtual Event Hub in just a moment, but uh, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about Influitive? Yeah, so Influitive and, and the Event Hub is kind of a natural extension, is really a human engagement platform that we primarily sell to marketing and customer marketing folks. Um, and it's really a combination of using a platform of gamification and rewards with content targeting to create very personalized, uh, essentially journeys for your customer advocates and allow them and enable them to do a variety of things like social media shares, give you references, give you reviews, and the kinds of things that in a B2B environment, which is where we sell most of our software, um, are the kinds of things that customer marketers are looking to do. We allow them to scale it. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. So uh, it's interesting on the on the website, you talk about your services and event services is one of those tabs on the website and everybody's concerned about the event industry. So you guys have pivoted and uh, virtual event hub. So let's talk a little bit about um, sort of what the model is and who benefits from it. Yeah, and so so that's a, it's a, as I mentioned, it's an extension of our offering, which means we were already supporting physical events. And so if you think about a physical event, you show up, you do something maybe for a day or two. Um, what we allow you to do is engage those attendees before the event, 
create kind of a gamified experience, point them at the right tracks, um, you know, get them excited about the event. Then at the event, allow them to earn reward points for different activities and then post event follow up. And what we've done is we've just taken that same basis of technology and offered that to our customers for their virtual events, recognizing that most of them had that canceled. And so that causes us to build in some new features like embedding video and doing some uh, additional work around surveys. But ultimately, we're taking a concept that's already been proven in the physical world and then and making that happen in a virtual environment. So I'm chatting with Dan McCall, the chief executive officer of Influtive, um, a, uh, an expert, um, subject, subject matter expert in the world of event, uh, event management. And, and, and uh, again, we, we've been chatting about virtual event hub. Um, Dan, many of our listeners are entrepreneurs, business owners, and have uh, have put on events at all different levels, from small to big. What uh, I want to pick your brain on some of the engagement techniques um, that have worked well um, in the in-person side of things, and how really the virtual event hub is is really using those same principles. What are some of the tips and advice that you have for those that are pivoting like you have? Yeah, well, the first thing is uh, anybody that's already done a virtual event has probably found that uh, with any level of uh, sophistication, it was quite successful. Um, And my guess is that you're going to want to embed virtual events in all of your events. As we go back to physical events, it's just it's the economics around it are way too compelling to ignore. And your attendees and, you know, cost per attendee just way different economics. So uh, what we do that's very different is a lot of times people lead up to event, they'll just send emails, right? And the emails will just be a reminder, hey, join this thing. What we're doing is bringing you into an environment where you can engage, you can respond to surveys, you can craft your journey, you can you can interact with the presenters ahead of time, make sure they're aware of topics, and you can be rewarded by earning points that you can redeem for the usual things you might take uh, home from a trade show. So those kinds of techniques are much more effective than just an email. And then once you've had somebody there, how do you follow up? How do you get real feedback from a session? And again, this kind of gamification, using rewards, offering people a thank you for giving you feedback is just something that, that uh, companies struggle with. And we can put a nice bow around it and then also provide those same capabilities during your event. Wow, so it's interesting. So uh, you believe that uh, that the old event uh, structure and model is a thing of the of the, of the past, and that uh, companies can actually uh, do better in this virtual uh, virtual day and age. I think they can. I mean, I know at least one other company that uh, their typical uh, event was six thousand attendees, and they had twenty thousand, um, and just just ran it that way. Now, I doubt that everybody went to the same number of sessions, but at the same time. I find myself personally attending way more events than I would if I had to get on a plane and fly there. And so oh, if it's I one agree. or two sessions, I'm learning more than I ever did because I have the time and the, the means are, are there. I think that, you know, just to be fair to the current folks that are doing events, they do have platforms that do virtual events. We're really just kind of adding more of an engagement on top of that. And we're partnering with a lot of those folks. So we're not trying to take away from somebody who's really good at streaming video. We would We will partner with them. But the engagement piece is what it's all about. And that's what you're trying to get when you're in an online uh, situation. It's much harder to gauge your audience. Indeed. Uh, indeed. Uh, Dan, Dan call from Influtive, um, some really, really interesting uh, information. And this is true for both big and small businesses. And Dan, we are running out of time, but on your website, you have a whole tab dedicated to resources, a blog, webinars, eBooks, videos. You practice what you preach in terms of the virtual resources how can folks learn more and potentially get in touch and request a demo? 
Yeah, the easiest way is just to go to the website, and, and it guides you quite effectively to where you uh, where you want to go. You can request a demo. We will follow up very quickly, uh, and especially for folks with upcoming events that could occur imminently, we can set these things up literally in two weeks and have something that you know you didn't think you could do. So, uh, yeah, that's just the easiest way. So, influentive.com. Uh, Dan McCall, appreciate joining me uh, on the air. Come back real soon. Keep us posted on uh, on how uh, businesses uh, that you work with are doing. Appreciate you joining me. Yeah, thanks for having us, and, uh, and good luck with everything. Of course, appreciate it. Influentive.com, really interesting resources. We'll be back and get down to business in just a moment. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. You can get on my website, shalomkline.com. Six plus years of the show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Uh, I just looked at our list of podcasts and we are at many hundreds, uh, which means many thousands of fantastic people, fantastic entrepreneurs and fantastic uh, folks giving back in the community. And I know that we all can use some good stories. And that is why it's my pleasure to introduce you uh, today to Anish Chaudhry. Anish, it's such a pleasure to have you on Get Down to Business. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Shalom. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So um, you are, uh, I believe, uh, still 27 years young and uh, you have quite an entrepreneurial success story. I want to get into it. Um, Anish, where, where are you from? So I was born and raised in the small town of Dayton, Ohio, and I currently reside in Newport Beach, California. So quite a big contrast. Uh, quite a big contrast. And so you have, um, from a young age, um, been interested in the world of health and fitness. And what I'd love to do is sort of explore your story into the development of the Soul Physio Lifestyle. Do you mind telling us uh, how that came to be? Yeah, absolutely. So Soul Physio Lifestyle was really birthed from my own personal struggles. I struggled with pretty severe mental illness and addiction through my younger years, ranging from anxiety, depression, bipolar, you know, really a lot of different diagnoses. And that really, really led me searching to for different answers. And I got my brain scanned in 2013. And that's really when I fell in love with my brain, because it was the first time I realized that I actually have it have an impact on the way that I feel and how my actions can actually go to building a new brain. And that's where I dedicated my whole entire undergraduate studies to neuropsychology and learning how to ultimately heal myself. And because I know there's so many other people struggling from that and being able to, to use myself as my first case and coming to a place of success at a young age really began with healing my own brain to start. Well, you certainly have come to a, a place of success because I know you have uh, many different business entities and uh, I want to pick apart some of the things that you just uh, talked about. Um, and I appreciate you sharing and being open about your story uh, certainly, uh, mental health is something that is very, very, very uh, important, an important conversation, especially with uh, what we're dealing with uh, during the uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. Um, but I want to I want to go into the business side of things for a moment. One of your uh, one of your services are virtual services. And I was actually just reading uh, just before we uh, take this interview. I was just reading um, how telehealth is really all the craze right now. Everybody's talking about telehealth, telehealth. What you have done, uh, Anish, is you have developed a comprehensive telehealth platform powered by AI, powered by artificial intelligence. What does that look like? Basically what it looks like is there's a foundational mindfulness program that I've created. It's 12 weeks long and it's a combination of meditation and journaling that really helps my clients both in the corporate world and just average everyday people help to reduce stress, increase productivity, and ultimately boost focus. 
And so that's a way that we help our clients to build a healthier brain. And where the telehealth part comes in, of course, with COVID, people need access to services from their home because, you know, all of a sudden what was simple, like going to the grocery store or going to the doctor's office for a routine checkup is now very difficult in today's landscape. And so we've, um, we use a platform called Healthy that has telehealth built into it. It's a HIPAA protected platform. And then the AI comes in to where like the mindfulness program I mentioned, it delivers, uh, basically functions as a virtual accountability coach, sending text message reminders, reminding people to meditate, to journal, to eat healthy directly to their phone in a very intuitive way to where it's not just getting like an automated text message. It's engaging. And if people have questions, they can respond to the text message. Then the text message actually comes directly to me or one of my team members. So then that way we can answer whatever questions our clients have for them. Uh, it's incredible. And one of your other entities um, is Soul Physio Productions, a film and television production company um, where you're focusing on holistic health and wellness. And what I find fascinating is all the ways that you have certainly uh, become the entrepreneur um, that we love to uh, feature on the program, uh, but also how you are giving back to community. Can you tell us a little bit about Soul Physio Productions? Sure. So Soul Physio Productions is in the process of being started up. I have a television and a documentary in the works at the moment, you know, very, very early pre-production phases, putting together staffing budgets. And, you know, it's all based around being able to provide practical tools and tips for the mainstream people to be able to build a healthier brain and ultimately healthier lifestyle. And I'm in the process of starting up the Soul Physio Foundation too, which is going to be dedicated to helping mental and neurological illness in children, which to kind of piggyback off my story, you know, that's like being able to help a lot of people to not have to go through what I went through. And so with both my for-profit companies, Soul Physio Lifestyle and Soul Physio Productions, we're going to be donating 50% of profits from both entities back into the nonprofit to help us construct cutting-edge wellness programs for inner-city youth. Well, Anisha, I'm going to have to go to a uh, quick commercial break in a moment. And after that, we will uh, we will continue the conversation about COVID and what you're hearing from some of your clients and folks from around the country. Um, but really briefly, I am uh, I am curious. I'd love to ask this, especially from young entrepreneurs. Where do you see your companies, plural, in uh, five years from now? Five years from now, my biggest focus is on the nonprofit. And I am shooting to open up schools, both domestically and overseas. So we're looking to break ground on our first school in California, as well as a school in India in 2022. So being able to continue to provide corporate services, as well as expanding my media presence as a way to just create more awareness around a lot of our new age cutting edge protocols and ultimately using the growth of the for-profit companies to create awareness and continue to drive the growth of our nonprofit. And, you know, it's, you mentioned five years, my lifelong goal is to want to build a, a multi-billion dollar nonprofit social enterprise. Oh, it's awesome. I, I have no doubt that you're going to do it. Um, a certified brain health coach, uh, Anish Chaudhary. Um, we are going to take a very quick break. We're going to be back with Anish in just a moment, talking about the issue of the day, talking about coronavirus impacts on mental health. Chicago, don't touch that dial. We'll be back and get down to business in just a moment. Back on Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. Continuing the conversation with 27-year-old young entrepreneur, Anish Chaudhary, um, who has developed many entities. And uh, as he told me just before we cut to the commercial, 
uh, is focused on developing the nonprofit and the foundation side of things, trying to give back to community. Because uh, Anish, you have quite a story, and I know that your story of uh, of uh, developing your businesses and helping um, others benefit from soul physio lifestyle is really because of your personal experience. Um, so right now, I have a feeling that there are many people like Anish uh, that are out there that are uh, that are struggling. Um, because of mental health. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're hearing out and about in the community. You know, there's a lot of different things. And the biggest thing I'm hearing a lot of people struggling with right now is just how abruptly things have changed and the degree of uncertainty that is yet to come. Because, you know, there's so many people losing their jobs, companies moving to working from home. And you know, now we add in the whole situation with George Floyd into the mix. And there's just so many different things changing with the world. And the thing that I'm hearing across the board is that many people are having a hard time coping with all the change. And that's where I recommend a lot of my clients and, you know, all the different other podcasts and, and media interviews I've been doing, just really, really reminding people that, you know, we're going to come out of this. Okay. The world is not coming to an end. Things are not going to be the same, but we have to be okay with not knowing and ultimately do what we have to do to take care of ourselves here in the present moment, whether we lost a job or, you know, we perhaps got, a cut like in pay or whatever the case may be, it ultimately comes down to maintaining good positive habits in our daily life to keep our mental health strong, our physical health strong. And that way we know that we can ultimately weather the storm we're going through right now. Oh, that's, uh, it's incredible. So, uh, you, you have talked about your telehealth platform and some of the ways that it's helping folks virtually, what are some of the things that you recommend to our listeners that may be struggling, or even those that don't know that they are struggling? What are some of the things, the conscious steps that a busy entrepreneur that's, uh, that, that suddenly are, you know, our lives have changed, our, our habits, our routines have changed? What sort of um, mental health fitness should we be doing daily? I always, I'm a huge proponent of meditation and mindfulness, as I mentioned earlier in the show. And that could be as simple as just sitting in a quiet place for five to 10 minutes a day, closing your eyes and breathing deeply. I think it's, things are moving very quickly. Things are changing. You know, you have so you have people saying stuff on social media, you have news broadcasters saying things on various media channels. So I think it's very important to spend at least a little bit of time detached from devices and from all the craziness just to slow down and give yourself a chance to just almost have like a, a digital detox in a way and detaching from devices and understanding that, you know, as I mentioned, we have to take care of ourselves in this time and, and being able to utilize different tools like telehealth and other kinds of virtual services, virtual communities are very important. So, you know, still connecting with people through zoom at, at times like this are super important. Uh, that's very, very helpful. So uh, you talked about your five year plan um, is your focus uh, uh, to grow on the telehealth side uh, as well to provide services uh, around the country? Absolutely. So the way I describe my telehealth side is that it's an integrative healthcare network. And so you can imagine it like a virtual clinic to where we can accommodate anybody in the world. Because, you know, we have clients who work with internationally as well. You know, it may be a little bit more tricky coordinating time zones, but it's certainly not impossible. And then as we continue to grow, it's just a matter of bringing on more practitioners to be able to handle the growing demand. And that's the beauty of this virtual landscape is then all of a sudden you're not worried about whoever you can fit within one of my brick and mortar clinics in California between the hours of nine and five. You can have 10 different practitioners with full schedules throughout the course of the day, ultimately providing more access to care. 
Uh, that's awesome. So, uh, Anish, we are out of time. I want to make sure our listeners know where they can reach you. Uh, how can they get in touch? So my website is www.soulphysiolifestyle.com. And feel free to fill out the contact form that'll be sent to me directly, or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and Facebook. And feel free to shoot me a message. More than happy to get you set up with a consultation or any other services you may feel Appreciate it, Anish. To success, let's get down to business. Anish, thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back and get down to business next Sunday, 6 p.m. right here on 560. 